What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen every day. Free on all platforms, five days a week. Start your day listening to Locked on Blazers, the only daily Trailblazers podcast. It's your team every day. Fun show, jam-packed show for you today. It was going to be a, uh, we're going to do player previews, and we are still going to do player previews, previewing the seasons of both Jabari Walker and Greg Brown III. That's what we'll do in the second and third segments. But then Shane Sharp went nuts in a game that no one got to see. So I want to bring you a little bit about this. This was absolutely the best Shane Sharp we've seen. Uh, This was, the Blazers played a preseason game Thursday evening, and they rolled over on a a team from the Israeli league, Maccabi Ra'anana. They just, it was not close, and Shane Sharp was good for the first time. He had been really good. He had shown flashes of, you know, he had had some highlight blocks, and uh, he finally made a basket in his second game, and the, the the blocks specifically like show just the effortless athleticism, but he had to really put it together in a really meaningful way. Uh, obviously, the step down in competition has something to do with it, but just undeniably, he looked better in this game. Some of it is just he needs like it doesn't matter that it's a step down in competition. This was the highest level basketball game he's ever played. He needs the reps and needs to play, and to see him do it in this type of game, this flavor of game, is. Uh, meaningful, something, something to be, something to be excited about. And for me, what I've really been waiting to see from Sharp, and I mentioned this in a previewing the pre preseason pod, super pre preseason pod, was that what I wanted to see from uh, Sharp was the individual offense. I think the thing I was most disappointed in Sharp was not that he looked a little lost in like the team defense stuff, or he, or when they put him in against NBA regulars, he didn't look ready and all those things. Like, or that he missed jumpers that I, that, you know, that he could make. His looks clean coming out of his hand, not worried about the future of his jump shot. It's that he didn't have a lot of juice to get himself free. I thought he was going to have like, even if he struggled, I thought he was going to have enough individual offense to get himself loose. Um, to, to like create shots, not even make them, to create shots. And he didn't really, in the run of play when he was playing against NBA regulars, against the Clippers and against the Jazz, he didn't have that. Well, (laughs) he did on Thursday evening. This game was on League Pass, so if you were outside of Portland, you were able to watch it. But if you were in the Portland market, it was um, not available for for you to to view it. And I know that many, many of my viewers, I mean, we got folks all over the world listening to this podcast, and I appreciate you. Shout out to all my international listeners and my out-of-Oregon listeners. But if you're in Oregon, uh, you weren't able to watch this game. also, like, if you stayed up till uh, 3 a.m. or 2 a.m. on the East Coast watching a uh, Blazers preseason game, shout out to you! Great job! You're uh, you're you're the you're the type of freak that I want listening to my show because I too am that type of freak. In any case, because like people didn't get to see it, there's like a certain level of irony about Shane Sharp. Like, oh, he finally gets loose in the game that no one could see. Like, there's he's the mystery man, and the mystery continues. But he was good in this game, and he did the things I wanted him to to do right like he got he had against people who were not as athletic as him he just made them look slow one one cut moves hard hard move to the left finish at the rim hard move to the right finish at the rim get out and transition make it easy but the finishes around the rim was what I really wanted to see he had a couple nice alley-oop dunks because he is an effortless leaper hit a three from the corner his first three of preseason uh he he this was like you need him. You, this was an important game for him to just show that he can hoop. 
Is he going to be a contributor in the NBA early? No, no. I, th- I think we've seen enough to know that he can't be. But to just to, if you are a fan of this team, there is a there is reason to exhale about. Okay, okay. Shaden Sharp against a lower level comp- competition, absolutely dominant. I think he had 17 points in the first 11 minutes. Preseason, no box scores, but 17 points in the first 11 minutes. Like he would just, he just, he was. He was effortless in getting his points, and he scored in the half court, and that's what you wanted to see from him. You wanted to see, like, you want to see the skills of someone who, the makings of Sharp, like, you know, the the, the sort of the mythology of Sharp is that he's got the superstar-type skills. And what do superstars do? They go score by themselves. Which, And by that, I mean, you give them the ball, they see someone in front of them, and they say, you can't guard me, dude. And then they blow past him and score. Sharp did that against lower-level competition in this game. Mukabe had no had no one who could guard him, uh, and it's and he made sure that he went and got his and scored with scored with ease and all of those things. Like this is what you need to see. It was fun. He's so fluid. He's such a good athlete. Um, he's he's got a really beautiful looking jump shot. He had to pull up pull up a little midi for one of his first buckets of the game, and it's like he just looks smooth and on balance when he scores. Can he do this against NBA players right now at age nineteen? No. No, he probably can't, and that's fine. But he, this was not an NBA team. This, you know, some ex NBA, a bunch of ex NBA guys on this roster, but not an NBA team. And what Shane Sharp said is like, I'm a, this level of competition. I am well above. I am well above it. And that's what that that alone is worth saying. Like a fist pump, a real a real fist pump. Yes, let's go. That was fun and exciting and entertaining. Let's go. Uh, it doesn't does it change like your mid I don't know short term and mid term outlook on him? No. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think it does, but it kind of allows you to say, whew, okay, okay, okay. The long-term outlook on this kid hasn't changed because he just needs reps. He didn't play college basketball. He hasn't played basketball in a long time. And when he got back to a game that's like closer to his level of skill, he was the best player on the court. Great. All due respect to Keon Johnson, who also played really well in this game. Shaden Sharp was the best player on the court. The other notable thing that happened in this preseason game is that Olivier Saar, in my eyes, pretty much locked up the uh, the second two-way spot. Olivier Saar played for OKC last year. He was signed uh, uh, in the Blazers after they had had initially made another signing of a big man. They've now they've now he, he got waived. They brought in they they waived Norvell Pell. They bring in Olivier Saar. He looks like he's going to be the truth. Uh, he seems like the the leader in the clubhouse to sort of get that spot. The Blazers need for, they have uh, a, an open two way spot. Uh, Sar is eligible to sign a two way contract. The Blazers just need big man depth. They need another big. Uh, I didn't think Drew Eubanks looked particularly good in this game. Um, there are going to be nights when when uh, Yusuf Nurkic misses games. There's going to be nights when he's in foul trouble. There another big is just an absolute must on this roster. And Sar is has the size and athletic timing to be at least a like. Hey, we need some minutes of sizable player in the game that he could be that guy. Uh, I bl- blocked multiple shots in this game. I believe four, um, according to my notebook, four. No box score in the preseason, but according to my notebook, four. Really just athletic dude. A, a, just a, he has great athletic timing. He's not like, um, you know, jumping up to 17 feet and Sean Kemping fools, but he just has the sort of fluid athleticism to be a, a pest on defense. He even had a play early in the first half where he uh, took a handful of dribbles and threw a, a like a interior lob pass on like a mini fast break 
Dude's got skills. It's basically, and for my money, it's basically going to come down to him and Devontae Kaycock for that last two-way spot. Kaycock is older. He's kind of a known quantity as like a sort of like a rebounder with limited offense. Saar has upside as a shooter, and he showed that he can, like he just, to me, he won the two-way spot. I thought he was the front runner to win the two-way spot when he was sort of the first guy signed when they waved Norbel Pell. And just judging by the front office's track record, they've gone for guys with upside over over sort of known commodities for when they've had options to to choose between the two. Pell looks like that guy. I think he's going to be be your spot. Those are the highlights from that game. Shaden Sharp looked really good and was fun. I, I think the second two way spot is Olivier Sars Olivier Sars to lose one way or the other. Like I think it's his. So. There's two more preseason games left. They play Sunday evening against the Kings, and then they play Tuesday against uh, the Golden State Warriors. I will have recaps of both of those games. Monday show will be a recap of that Kings game in Sacramento, so make sure you tune into that. But what I want to do to close the show here is season previews. We're, we're previewing every player on the roster. I've already done, uh, I've already gone through 11 players on the roster. We've got three regular roster guys remaining. Today we're talking Jabari Walker and Greg Brown. That's what we'll do in the in the second segment is a little a little player capsule previews but first bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action whatever that sports action might be it's football season right now so you can get in more lines more props more odds on college football all saturday long on the nfl all sunday and then and monday night football on monday night if you don't want to bet on football they got everything else they got nba futures they got nhl futures they got tennis they got golf they got combat sports whatever it is you're looking for, you're going to find it on BetOnline. So don't wait. Go take advantage today. That's BetOnline where the game starts. All right. Shane Sharp looked like a hooper. Olivier Saar looked like a future Blazer two-way player. Now let's talk about some other future Blazers. Actually, the current Blazers with some future upside. We're talking youngsters, Jabari Walker and Greg Brown III. This is the 10th installment of the Locked On Blazers countdown to tip off, running down every player on the roster, giving you a brief but thorough look at what they'll bring to the Blazers. We'll look at what they did last season, talk best and worst case scenarios, and then finish the show talking expectations and likely role for the season. Like I said, this is the 12th and 13th players we've profiled. So if you've missed any of the others, they're waiting in your feed before this one. There is a, uh, if you're a YouTube watcher, there is a YouTube playlist that has all of the player previews, every single player capsule. So you can get caught up heading into the season on every single player and get kind of my takes and my feeling on where they fit. Today, we're staying young, talking Jabari Walker and Greg Brown. Jabari Walker in his second season at Colorado, averaged 14.6 points, 9.4 boards, and 1.2 assists in 28 minutes. He was drafted 57th by the Portland Trail Blazers. He told me in an interview on this very podcast that he thought he could go as high as the late 20s and be a late first-round pick. And then he didn't hear his name called. And then he didn't hear his name called. And then they got to the 50s and he thought, maybe I'm not going to hear my name called. The Blazers took him at 57. He showed out in Summer League. He he's he is a promising second rounder, albeit someone who was the second to last pick in the NBA draft. Greg Brown was a rookie last season, also a, a second rounder of the Portland Trail Blazers. As a rookie with Portland, he averaged 4.7 points. And 2.8 rebounds in 13.3 minutes a night. He appeared in 48 games, including six starts. 
We usually do this in bigger segments, but we're kind of uh, cramming this one together a little bit. So what I want to do here is talk best and worst case scenarios for both of these gentlemen. As a caveat, these are best case scenarios within reason. So like considering what role they're likely to have, who their colleagues are, and what's reasonable based on who they are as players, what's the best case scenario? And the worst case scenario is without injury. Everyone's worst case scenario is that their body breaks down. We're talking worst case scenario of things that happen on the basketball court. So what's the best case scenario for Jabari Walker? It's that he sneaks his way into the rotation a little bit later in the season because his size, his toughness, his IQ... Make him a useful option on a team with limited options at power forward. The best case scenario is that Jabari Walker, a guy who appears to be probably out of the rotation early because of his age, just 20 years old, his draft, his just, you know, sort of the the investment the Blazers have in him. He's a second round pick signed to a multi-year deal. He's 20 years old. Because of all of those factors, he seems like he's out of the rotation. But the best case scenario is when Jabari Walker gets a cameo. When he has to play because of injury or foul trouble or whatever it might be, is that he proves to be too good to go back to the bench. The best case scenario for Jabari Walker is that while he starts the season out of the rotation, he ends the season firmly in the rotation, not only to end this year, but going into next year as a second-year player with a with a firmly and confirmed position on the roster, firmly held and easily confirmed position on the roster and within the rotation. The best case scenario is that the little bit of passing ability, the little bit of ball handling ability in a six foot nine frame, the high level rebounder that he was in college and showed again to be in summer league, both in the offensive and defensive glass, and that little bit of shooting touch, all of that package morphs him to someone who has to play on a team that just doesn't have many options to play his position. The best case scenario is that Jabari Walker is a backup power forward and not an end of the rotation guy, but you say, who's their backup power forward? That's Jabari Walker, the rookie from Colorado. He's a second-round pick, and he can really hoop. He uh, he absolutely knows how to play basketball, and the best-case scenario is that when he gets the opportunity, that high IQ and his myriad skills show up in such a way that he sticks and plays for a while. The best-case scenario for Greg Brown III is that he's a neutral-level contributor when he's called upon, is that he converts his athletic gifts into some variety of defensive chaos, some rebounding help, and just enough standstill shooting to be a non-negative when he's on the court. That might sound a little bit harsh, but I want to be honest about best-case scenario for Greg Brown. I believe he's outside of the rotation as is, and I think he's probably a a shade or maybe like shoulder-to-shoulder with Jabari Walker in terms of like who you might choose if you need a 6-5 or 6-9 excuse me youngster to come off the bench brown's uh just like overall skill sets and his his polish in terms of skill is very raw still so the best case scenario is that while he finds that little bit of polish on literally every part of his game defensive timing ball handling decision making all of those things while he finds that polish His athletic gifts, which are really, really impressive. Like in a a league full of great athletes, Greg Brown stands above him. He is a really, really good athlete, and he's long and lanky and all of those things. The best case scenario is that he becomes someone who, hey, we need help, and Greg Brown gives you six neutral minutes off the bench. He is not going to hurt you. He's not going to torpedo you. He's a totally functional option to play spot minutes in year two. 
He was not that in year one. And I want to be clear about it because he played 48 games. But even when the Blazers were tanking and they'd pulled the plug and all of those things, he was not starting. He was not like a featured part of that team. They were playing Reggie Perry over him at the end of the year because even, you know, even late in the season, there was like a need for a higher level of competence than the sort of style of chaos that Greg Brown brings. He is as fun as they come. He tries to dunk every time he is out on the court. He tries to dunk everything. He talks smack. He is a really entertaining guy. Also, just like personally, an incredibly nice fellow. But he was a long way away from being a positive NBA player. So the best case scenario for him in year two is that he that he doesn't make all the way to that leap to be this like positive contributor. Oh, Greg Brown's coming in this. They're going to win these minutes. It's that he's a neutral contributor a non-negative contributor. That's the best case scenario. And, and, and quite frankly, maybe a harsh, but an honest opinion of what the best case scenario for, for Greg Brown is. The worst case scenario for both of these gentlemen is that they're spectators. Brown's lack of polish means he can't really help. And he enters year three of his NBA career and the final year of the contract he signed coming out of Texas as a second round pick as a fun and athletic project without many positives from his first two seasons in the league to point to. The worst case scenario for Greg Brown is that what we think of him now, man, if he ever puts it together, he's got a really intriguing package with his with size, his length, his speed, his athleticism. He's exactly the type of wing that if he ever puts it together is like every every team in the league needs needs that. The the worst case scenario is that he's still that project, is that he doesn't he, we don't see enough of him and he doesn't have enough development in year two, and he's still mostly a hopeful theoretical contributor entering in year three. The worst case scenario for Jabari Walker is pretty similar, right? Also a spectator, someone who is outside of the rotation, watches games, plays at the end of blowouts, and is just largely not part of the rotation. But the worst case scenario is it's not as harsh for for a guy in year one in his position. Like the same way it wasn't that harsh for Greg Brown to not really be a contributor until the sort of season change for the Blazers last year. Rookies, second round picks are drafted to be projects. You draft guys to say, okay, year one, you're not going to be ready. Year two, you'll kind of show a little bit. And year three, you'll be ready to go. And then you'll be able to sign another contract. You'll have earned another contract by year three. There isn't really that much pressure to like, if both of these guys hit their worst case scenarios, it's fine. It's fine. Like I, I was harsh on Greg Brown here and I admittedly it was harsh, but like it's for what they, what they invested in them. They're expecting Greg Brown into the future. You draft a 19-year-old in the second round, you know it's a project and a bit of a dart throw. You want him to be okay in year two and ready to go in year three. And the same can be said for Jabari Walker. The worst case scenario is that he isn't quite ready for the speed of the game. And a guy who seems to do a lot of things pretty well doesn't do any of them well enough to be a consistent contributor. The worst case scenario is that Jabari Walker, who says his closest friend on the team is Greg Brown III, is that they spend a lot of time playing 4.30 p.m. one-on-one uh, games or two-on-two or three-on-three games with the Blazers assistant coaches and development staff because this is what young players do. They get better behind the scenes. You hope they pop and can play and when they have opportunities that they seize it. But for the most part, the unglamorous part of young NBA players is just like showing up to the arena early early and getting after it, learning both what you need to work on and how you need to work on it and converting that into being the thing that lets you seize the opportunity when you get there. The worst case scenario is that these dudes don't play that much. I don't think it's that big of a deal, but it's a reality that they're most that a role that they could end up in is being spectators. 
Let's talk about role and expectations for both of these gentlemen to close the show as we continue with our countdown to tip off here on Locked on Blazers. A little player capsules. These are a lot of fun. Join me in that third segment, won't you? Still a pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. We started the show off with with uh, you know pre- preseason talk but we're doing player capsules Jabari Walker and Greg Brown here and what I want to do to close what we do in the the that middle segment is the best and worst case scenarios so it's like the far end of the polls that Jabari Walker is a, is like a part of the regular rotation by the end of the season and the and the and the other end of the poll is that he just straight up never plays and for Greg Brown it's like he he gets in he's a regular part of the rotation and he just he's like totally fine like not neutral minutes like he doesn't hurt the team when he's out there because he's not making mistakes and not hurting them on defense and the other end is again he spends another year watching right the idea for both of these gentlemen is that they land somewhere in the middle I think it's that's like the point of the best and worst case scenarios find the pendulum I think the pendulum for both of these guys is that neither plays early on in the season. I think it's a pretty safe bet that neither of them play early on in the season and that neither of them are ever a regular part of the rotation, assuming like pretty decent health for the Blazers. Certainly injuries and all trades and all those things could change this. But like if you assume that the roster is what it is right now on opening day and that they're relatively healthy, I think a safe bet is that neither of these gentlemen play very much at all this season. Uh, Walker really hasn't played that much in preseason when they um, when the regulars have played on Thursday when they played uh, against Maccabi they they uh, Damian Lowe didn't play Anthony Simons didn't play Justice Winslow didn't play Josh Hart didn't play and Yusuf Nurkic didn't play they 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 kind of they sat those gentlemen and they started Trendon Watford who came back in and looked pretty good and they started Nazir Little and, and then they played the youngsters right this was a game for the youngsters and one of the youngsters Shane Sharp really seized seized advantage of it, took advantage of it, seized the opportunity is what I'm trying to say there. Keon Johnson also played really well. Another youngster who seized the opportunity. But, like, I think, in general, neither both of these gentlemen are kind of, you know, even with more opportunity here from Walker, let me start here first, with more opportunity from Walker that he got in this game, he got it because, like, they were trying to get the youngsters playing. Uh, you can complain or about Chauncey Billups not giving Jabari Walker enough playing time in preseason, but I think more than anything, what it is is telling. It's telling. Like, it's this is, this is the indicator, right? Is like, an NBA coach... You know, even the bad ones are privy to a lot more information than we are as podcasters and podcast listeners. Some of you are maybe even listening, our NBA coaches. Uh, but like, it's like, just in general, like you kind of got to you kind of got to trust it when you see it a little bit. If 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 Walker is Walker's role has been pretty much indicated by his amount of playing time in the in the preseason, and I don't think against Maccabi specifically that Walker kind of looked like was so good and like dominated against lower level competition to the point where you're like he's got to play. You know who did? Keon and Shaden Sharp, and those guys are ahead of him, absolutely ahead of him in the pecking order. Greg Brown, as I mentioned in the previous segment, like didn't wasn't even getting consistent playing time in the in the sort of tanking era like he was getting consistent playing time he wasn't getting starts in like the hot tanking era of the blazers last season i was gonna say hot garbage but that's rude the like the full-on super tank that they lost 21 of 23 to end last season uh brown was playing you know 20 plus minutes a night but he wasn't uh he wasn't you know he wasn't a consistent starter in the way that some other some other folks were some of that was role and size and all those things but like he just lacks a lot of polish even in pre even in summer league excuse me this summer like Greg Brown looks 
significantly behind Jabari Walker in terms of skill, in terms of polish, in terms of ability. Like, I think it's a safe bet that he doesn't really play this year. Greg's fun and entertaining, and like, if he does pop, he's like a super athlete that is going to be so incredibly easy to root for. But I think a realistic role is that neither of these gentlemen play. I do think Jabari Walker is probably behind Greg Brown as of day one because Brown's familiarity with the system, his familiarity with the language, his just his athletic gifts. But behind him in day one just means like, yeah, Chauncey Billups has more familiarity. You get deeper into the season, I think Walker's skill set will bump him a little bit ahead of Brown. And and we're talking um, like the role here for both of them, emergency forward. Hey, we need an, we, an injury, uh, uh, some foul trouble, a matchup where we just need to stay bigger for longer and we don't, you know, and it's, it's not Gary Payton and it's not, and it's, it's not Josh Hart in this game. Cause they just don't have enough size. Like, Hey, Jabari Walker, can you give us a, can you give us an opportunity to like, I don't know, f- foul out against Carl Anthony towns or something to that effect. Like, uh, I think that's a realistic role for them. I want to touch on the, the sort of uh, pendulum real quick and the best and worst case scenarios. I think Greg Brown's is pretty narrow. Like, I think, and I intentionally made it very narrow. Like, I don't think there's an upside for Brown where he's like a regular contributor this year on on this particular team. And I don't think he's going to play zero. I just think he's outside of the rotation. I think his, I think he leans a little bit towards worst case scenario, which again, is not that big of a deal for him. And I think Walker probably leans also a little bit towards the worst case scenario. Again, the worst case scenario for both of these gentlemen is that they're spectators. They watch. Second round picks are generally not NBA players. If you find an NBA player in the second round, you did really well. Jabari Walker has the makings of a dude who is an NBA contributor. That's a really big deal. He's 20 years old. He's taking 57th in the draft. If he's not an NBA player till year two, that's totally cool. And Greg Brown was a project, a really highly recruited high school kid who didn't quite put it together in college, got drafted in the second round, and just has a lot to learn. He was incredibly raw when he came into the league. Year three is the make or break year for Brown. I don't I don't even see that there's that much pressure on him to make great progress in year two. I think the reality is, is that both of these gentlemen are out of the rotation early and probably only one of them would have a chance to break into it late. Who that might be, my guess, Walker, because I just think he's a little more skilled and more polished, will depend probably on the rest of the roster more so than their particular growth. Second rounders typically have to wait. That's how this works. And the Blazers made a lot of win-now moves and kept veterans like Hart and Winslow who are going to play ahead of them in the forward rotation. If if this team's healthy and whole, there's just not a lot of playing time for either Walker or Brown. That is going to do it for today's show. Like I said, uh, these, these are 12 and 13 of the players we've previewed. The final player we're previewing is a certain point guard who went to Weber State University in Ogden, Utah. If you've missed any of the player previews, I think these are a great way to catch up. Also, if you're new to the program, thanks for listening. Uh, or if you want to recommend this program to someone who who is will be a first-time listener, I really do think the player previews are a great place to start. Like, go listen to the Shaden Sharp and Anthony Simon and Nazir Little episodes and kind of get yourself keyed up for it. Or queued up for it? Keyed up for it? I don't know. Get yourself up for the season uh, by listening to those. Uh, like I said, I'll put them all. They're all in a uh, playlist on YouTube or they're just waiting in your podcast feed. They're they're labeled Portland Trailblazers season preview so you can find them quickly. I I think they're a great jumping off point. They're evergreen content as we're still about 2 weeks away from the regular season. They're a great 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 way 
to get yourself ready, to get yourself prepared, and get yourself excited about the season. Thanks for making the show your first listen every day. Free on all platforms, five days a week, available wherever you get podcasts, and also on YouTube. How about you make your second listen of the day, the Locked on Fantasy Basketball Podcast with Josh Lloyd. Josh Lloyd's the man. Just nobody's doing it better. If you're a fantasy basketball player, you will you will win your league if you listen to Josh Lloyd. Unless your league mates also do, and then you'll just be more competitive because there's literally no one doing it better out there. Also, if you're not a fantasy basketball person, Josh just is a wealth of NBA knowledge who who really breaks down who plays and when and who's getting opportunities, can get you a sense of what's going on around the league about as well as anyone in the podcast space. Check him out wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Come back for more shows Monday. We'll recap the Kings game, talk all things Trailblazers. Five days a week, like I said, your team every day, the only Daily Trailblazers podcast. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.